0: So 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 8 through 16, I'll be reading through that passage first and then we'll go into uh, the uh, the actual points that need to be made. So you can follow along in your Bibles. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. When Peter begins this passage in verse 8 with the word finally, he's summing up everything that has preceded it. He's summing up all that he has been saying about submission and in turn suffering for doing good. We've seen in the previous passages that we should submit to human authorities even when those authorities may be harsh or unjust, that we should bear the pain of unjust suffering, that we should be prepared to suffer even as we wait for the justice of God, that we should not retaliate against or threaten those who harm us, and that we should win others to the Lord by our submissive conduct characterized by showing proper respect to everyone, our gentle and quiet spirit, and living with everyone, particularly with our spouses, with understanding. So these were the themes or these were the truths that we have been considering in the previous passages. So now Peter is summing all of that up in this word and in this next section where he says, finally. So how does Peter say that we should live in submission even if we suffer for doing good? He says that we should love the family of believers by being like-minded of one mind of one accord we should be sympathetic understanding and l- understanding the needs and the the situations that people our brothers and sisters are going through that we should be loving one another compassionate and humble that we should not repay evil with evil or insult with insult instead we should repay evil with Blessing because that's what we were called to by God. And when we repay evil with blessing, we will inherit the blessing of God. Grace of God. The favor of God. He says, do this. Respond to evil with blessing and you will receive the blessing of God. Sounds similar to when it says, forgive even as you have been forgiven. Forgive so that your father will forgive you. There is this this truth of the Lord that as we sow, as we give in these ways, the Lord allows us to reap the very blessings of God, the favor of God, the grace of God. Peter then goes on to quote verses 12 to 16 of Psalm 34. When that, you know, he reads in the middle there or in that section in your Bibles, it'll be set apart like that. He's actually quoting from Psalm 34 verses 12 through 16. This is a Psalm of David when David is on the run and he's, you know, trying to uh, address all the problems that he's facing. But let's read all of Psalm 34 because it provides some important lessons from David's life that Peter is referring to. So Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So he's... All of that is then what Peter starts out this next verse where he says, Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days... Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Righteous person may have many troubles but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked, the foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants, no one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. It's because Peter knows what David knew that Peter can say to his persecuted brothers and sisters that they, and we, when we face persecution and suffering, that we must be prepared to suffer for doing good. That's all the things that David expresses in that psalm all those years before, as Peter is referring to that and brings his readers, his hearers back to that, he knows that when we have troubles, If the righteous person has many troubles, not just a few, many troubles, the Lord will deliver him from them all. Peter knows that the Lord hears the cries of his children and will deliver them. That's why Peter says in verse 14 of the passage in 1 Peter chapter 3, he says, don't fear the threats of those who try to harm you. Instead, in verse 15 and 16, Peter lays out three ways by which we can live without fear. Three ways by which we can live in faith. We are, to receive, we are to revere Christ as Lord. We are to be prepared to answer everyone who asks why we have hope. And we are to have a clear conscience. So, we are to revere Christ as Lord. There is a difference between knowing Christ Jesus as a good teacher, which many of the people did, and knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. There is a difference between knowing Christ Jesus as a prophet, which many people do, and knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. There is a difference between knowing Christ Jesus as a miracle worker, which multitudes of people did, and knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. There is a difference between thinking of Christ Jesus as a good man and an excellent moral example to follow, which many people acknowledge, and knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. There is a difference between knowing Christ Jesus is the Savior, which many people actually believe, and knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. To know Christ Jesus as Lord is to submit. All this that what Peter has been talking about, submission and everything else, he's not making an explicit statement in those passages, in those verses, to saying submit to the Lord Jesus. But it is implicit and it is the foundation for every kind of submission. Because when we talked about submission, even to human authorities, I reminded you that our submission to anyone else has to be only in relation to our submission to God. When the things of the world, when the things of human authorities conflict with those things that are ordered by God, then we would say, what is it better for me to do? To obey God or to obey man? I obey God. So there is that need for us to acknowledge that submission to God, to live in such a way that submission to God supersedes any other kind of submission. But here what Peter is referring to when he says we have to revere Christ Jesus as Lord, that means he's talking about submission, that we have to allow him to be the Lord and master of our life. Not simply that we know about him, not simply that we know him in certain ways, but we are yielding our life to him. To revere Christ as Lord is to willfully, joyfully, and patiently yield to him and obey everything he commands, even when we don't see or feel or fully comprehend what he is doing. It's that kind of trust. It's that kind of faith. It's that kind of saying, no matter what he tells me to do, I will do it. Let your will be done. To revere Christ as Lord is to die to self and to be raised up to new life in Christ so that Christ is living in and through us. To revere Christ as Lord is not to be afraid of the Lord, but rather to learn the fear of the Lord. That's what we just read. That we would understand what it means to live in all respect, honor, obedience of the Lord, to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. That we would say, Lord, I want to learn the fear of the Lord, even as the Lord delivers us from all our fears. Most of the time in the world, we are driven by fear. We make decisions based on fear. We're afraid that something bad will happen. We're afraid that if I'll miss this opportunity, we're afraid, oh, if I do this, what will that person say? And so we make decisions, we make all sorts, take all sorts of actions based on fear. But the Lord says, when we learn to fear the Lord, he delivers us from all our fears, All those things, those anxious thoughts that are in us. And to revere Christ as Lord of our lives is to love him with all that is within us. That's what Psalm 103 verse 1 says, that we would love him, that we would praise him, that we would adore him, that we would worship him with all, our heart, our mind, our strength, our soul, everything raised up to the Lord in worship in that way. So the question is not whether we know about Christ. The question is whether we truly revere him as Lord of our lives. That's what Peter is pointing to. The second thing that Peter says is that you have to explain why you hope. Peter said, states in verse 15, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. The first part of this verse, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone. That, that much of that verse has been used to emphasize the need for apologetics. That's a discipline, that's a study that where you would really learn how to make very reasoned arguments to explain and defend the Christian faith, beliefs, doctrine, practices, and so on. So the field of apologetics and this idea of apologetics is that you would learn how to be able to defend your faith. There's nothing wrong with learning how to defend your faith. I encourage you to learn as much as you can about Christianity and the theology, systematic theology, so that you can present, so that you can respond very appropriately to anyone who would make any objection to what's in the Bible. When they say something that, you know, that contradicts what the Bible says or they question the sources or they say, oh, I don't think this is true or how come the Bible says this. I encourage you to learn how to respond to that and in that sense to learn apologetics. However, if you think this verse is directed to professional apologists, you've missed the second part of the verse. Because the second part of the verse says that we are to be prepared to answer everyone who asks us. And make sure you note that phrase. We're not forcing them to listen to us. We're not telling them, listen to me as I tell you why the Christian faith is better than every other faith. Where We are to be prepared to answer everyone who asks us which means we have to be praying that their eyes and their ears are opened and that they will see the work of God in our lives and ask about it so that they will say what is what is the answer here what is the meaning of this what is your reason for believing this way what is the reason for this hope that you have when everybody around us is is despondent depressed anxious you know doing all sorts of other things to deal with it how is it that you have hope when they ask in that way we have to be prepared to answer them with the reason for the hope that we have and if you think about that, that means that each and every one of us need to know what we believe and then prepare to describe it. What are we describing? We're describing the hope of salvation that has been fulfilled when we accepted the Lord. That's justification. We're talking about, we're describing the hope of salvation that is fulfilled as we are being transformed into the lord's image that's sanctification and we are describing the hope of salvation that will be fulfilled when the lord returns and joins us to himself for eternity that's glorification but if we at least and i and you don't need to have the terms even but you should know these truths and you should be able to say this is what the lord has done for me You don't have to have a degree in apologetics to be able to tell someone, this is the reason why I have hope in God. This is the reason why the Lord has done this for me. This is what the the truth of the gospel message means in my life. Share your testimony. That's what Peter is referring to. So when you read these verses, don't say, oh, this is for somebody else to prepare to answer everyone who asks about our hope. No, this is for all of us to prepare, to be equipped, to be able to answer everyone, anyone, with the reason for our hope. But you'll notice that in being prepared to deal with everyone, with anyone, Peter also provides this instruction. He says, keep a clear conscience. Do this, do what? Be prepared to respond to anybody who asks. Be, be prepared to speak about your hope. Do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. When you suffer for doing good, when you're slandered for speaking truth, continue to revere Christ as Lord. And in so doing, you evoke the questioning of your hope that you can then respond to with clarity and completeness. But do this with gentleness and respect. Show proper respect to everyone. That's what we read just a few verses before this. But we are dealing with everybody with that gentleness that quiet and gentle spirit, the Holy Spirit within us, the gentle spirit that speaks from within us. And when the Holy Spirit is at work within us and is speaking in that way, we're able to not just deal with others with gentleness, we're able to show respect to them. We're able to love them in the right way. And that leads to then keeping a clear conscience. We've talked about a conscience or the conscience in other passages as we've gone through it, Paul refers to things when he speaks about this in Acts, and he says, I have a clear conscience before the Lord. We saw these other references to the conscience, but here a clear conscience comes from knowing that you have obeyed the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. It's not because you can prove it by some action of yours in terms of saying, look, you know, here's all the good, here's all the bad, and look at this, I've got more good than bad, and therefore my conscience is clear. My conscience is clear if I'm not willfully sinning against the Lord. My conscience is clear if I'm obeying the Lord. My conscience is clear if I'm listening to His voice and saying, oh Holy Spirit, I want to obey you and I will speak only what you tell me to say. I will do what, only what you show me to do and I will go where you lead. I will share the reason for my hope without worrying what the response will be or whether I'll be accepted or rejected or anything else. And I will do all things. I will live as unto the Lord. If I'm living like that, I can live with a clear conscience. Otherwise, the inner witness of the Holy Spirit will say, oh, you've got to set this right, you've got to set this right. And that's not condemnation, it is conviction. It is the Holy Spirit speaking to us inside to say, there needs to be some change here. Now we can sear the conscience, we can ignore what the Holy Spirit is saying, we can do all sorts of things to quench, to quell that voice of the Spirit. But if we will allow the Holy Spirit to be heard in that gentle, quiet way, and pay attention to obey, then we can live with a clear conscience. So these are the things that Peter is pointing to. He says that these are the ways in which we must live or respond to those who try to harm us. That we should be people who are revering Christ as Lord, and the others will see that. That we should be people who can easily or readily Explain, maybe not as easy, but readily. Explain the hope that we have. And then we should be people who are keeping a clear conscience. So when we deal with others, see, if you have a guilty conscience, if you have something that you feel you're not doing right, you'll say, oh, how can I talk to this person? I'm a hypocrite. Right? I, I don't know if I can share Christ with them. But the Lord is not asking you to be perfected in your own goodness than, so that you can then tell somebody about him. He's saying, look, rely on me, trust me, let me live through you and keep a clear conscience in the sense that you would continue to walk in my ways. It's not that you won't sin, but you continue to maintain that relationship and that proximity with the Lord so that then you speak to others from that strength of experience with the Lord, strength of relationship with the Lord. Not something you acquire, not something you learn, not something that you can say, let me give you all the arguments, but rather you can speak from your heart to say, this is what the Lord has done for me. This is what he is doing for me. This is what he will do for me. Oh, let me share that with you because I desire for you to also experience this joy of the Lord. So when we go through all of these things, it ultimately brings us back to this point of application. That we would respond and apply the word of God we have heard by turning from evil and doing good. That's, you know, the Bible never makes complicated statements. It makes very difficult statements. Turning from evil and doing good is not easy. But it makes very simple statements. You know, in Psalm 34, 14, that's what we read. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. This is not a one-time thing. This is not only as it applies to our actions alone. This is also if you suffer for doing good. If you try to do good to somebody else and they retaliate with evil, even in the midst of that situation, turn from that evil and continue to do good. Let the Lord be the one who is leading and guiding and directing our steps. That's what Peter is calling us to. That's what the word of God is calling us to. That's what the Holy Spirit has inspired and is calling us to. That we would be children of God who are saying, oh Lord God, I'm prepared to suffer for doing good. I don't say, how come? How come? I'm trying to live for God. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to do all these things. And how come I'm suffering? No. The Bible says, be prepared. So when we suffer, we say, oh God, I thank you. I praise you that you are with me. I thank you, Lord, that in the midst of all of these situations, you're the one that will give me life and give it to me more abundantly. I thank you, Lord, that as I trust in you, as I look to you, as I respond to all of these situations, according to these biblical principles, according to these biblical truths, you will be the one that is the peace that I need. When I seek peace and pursue it, I'm not seeking something of the world. I'm not seeking something that other people can offer to me. I'm not seeking, I'm not pursuing the wealth or the material comforts of the world. I'm not seeking the absence of war. I'm not seeking, you know, the absence of conflict. I'm saying, Lord God, I'm seeking you. I need you. That's what the Lord is promising. That's what he says he will do. So this morning, even as we transition and we will be sharing in the Lord's Supper in just a few minutes, I want to encourage you that this word from First Peter here will be what challenges you, will be what encourages you throughout this year even to say, Lord God, how do I walk in your ways without losing heart? Even if something goes wrong, in the many troubles that I'll face, this year is not going to be trouble-free. How's that for a promise? All right? There will be many troubles. Things will happen. But in the midst of it, are you in relationship with and relying on your Lord who will deliver you from all your troubles? That's the assurance. That's the confidence that we need to be praying with and for in our church in each of the families in our church, in the extended family members, friends, colleagues, the people that are connected to our lives, the people that live within a 15 to 20 minute driving distance from the church, our neighbors, let's pray that this will be our reality this year. That we would see the work of the Lord being done in this way. That we would say to him, Lord God, I thank you that you go before me and you open the doors so that I will receive the favor of the Lord And I, living in this way, prepared to suffer for doing good, will see the hand of the Lord directing my steps. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the depth of it, for the beauty of it, and for the very real nature of it. You don't sugarcoat something for us. You don't say everything will be okay. Don't worry. You know, you just... You give it to us straight and you tell us. These are going to happen. These things are going to happen. But when they do, look to me. Those who look to you, Lord, as we read, their faces are radiant. They are never put to shame. Those who look to you, oh Lord God, when we cry to you, you are attentive to our cry. Oh Lord, as we look to you, we thank you, Lord, that you are building each one of us up so that, Lord, we would respond to evil with good we would turn from evil we would not pursue evil we would not respond to evil in the same way we would turn away from that evil but we will respond to evil with good we will do that lord because you are the one that enables us to do so and father we thank you we thank you that as we revere you as we honor you as we lift up the name of jesus as we worship you As we do all that, Lord, revering you as Lord of our lives, what better way can there be for us to live? Every day, submitting ourselves, yielding ourselves, saying, Lord, here are all the things that are before me, but not my will, let your will be done. In Lord, the places that we go to, the people that we interact with, the things that we put our hands to, Lord, you be Lord, you guide, you direct. We pray all this together in Jesus' precious name. Amen.